from deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, we're we're looking right now. It seems to me at uh, at least two cases of the choice between getting our data from the present or the future. I'll tell you what I mean. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, one of the reasons, there are many, why we're having supply, so-called supply chain problems right now and what problems they are is because 30 years ago, just about, the United States experienced a major change in the way its industries, <laughs> its industries managed their supply of ingredients and uh, parts for the various things that they might <laughs> be manufacturing. Um, it, uh, historically, companies in the United States would um, order parts and ingredients in advance, have them delivered, store them in warehouses, and use them as needed. And then reports dribbled out from Japan that they were, and this was the phrase used at the time, quote, eating our lunch, unquote. It didn't bother me because I don't eat lunch, so I don't even know what that would be like, but it was supposedly bad. They were eating our lunch because Japanese companies weren't storing parts and ingredients in advance. They were ordering them as needed on a system called just in time. Not a name, just in time. Parts and ingredients arrived as needed, as if by magic. Now, Japan, I believe this is true, you can correct me on this part, was um, getting its parts and ingredients from other companies in Japan uh, at that time. So that was a maybe a, a logical thing to do, is have them crisscross Japan just in time. Well, American companies raced to adopt the just-in-time system because they saved all that money on warehouses that they didn't need anymore. And uh, things were great until the outsourcing of not only manufacturing but ingredients and parts for the stuff that still was made here was all outsourced to China. And, um, oh, no, nothing could go wrong with that. That's just a very robust system. We, you know, we get along with the Chinese and they get along with us and everything's fine until now. And um, between COVID, which, to which China responded in an even more draconian way than the United States, very much more, because they're China, they're Draco, um, and other things, that system has fallen apart because people are getting data from the present. Yeah, the stuff's still coming over just in time, and nobody looked forward to, let's say, the possibility of a pandemic. Meh, couldn't happen. And um, I analogize that to this. 
we are now in a moment, and it was ratified by a selection of the Sunday morning yak shows this week, that we're convinced Omicron is the end. This is it. It's the last one. Bye-bye, COVID. Where uh, the governors, particularly Democratic governors, are uh, rushing to end mandates of all kinds as if they were Canadian truckers. And um, on the, as I say on the shows this morning, um, just talk about, you know, the post-COVID era. That's data from the present. Here's data from the near future from an epidemiologist's Twitter feed is Dr. Eric Ding. I know. He's an epidemiologist uh, from Harvard. Quoting my latest warning about BA2 subvariant of Omicron. Yes, there's a new variant of Omicron called BA2. This is actually really worrying. It's surging in countries worldwide. This pattern in a new variant transmission outpacing the old variant in multiple countries has almost led to a new wave prolonging current wave. New wave slash prolonging current wave. Not a word about BA2 on the uh, shows this morning. As I say, they're using current data and not data from the very near future. So BA2 will be arriving, according at least to Dr. Ding, just in time. Hello, welcome to the show.
from New Orleans, Louisiana, where the parades are in full swing. Right now, this carnival thing. Welcome back, carnival. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. And now, news of the warm, won't you? I think I will. I know I will. Soft listen to the warm. We can listen to the warm. We got bad news and good news today on News of the Warm. Bad news first, of course. Many of the world's biggest companies are failing to meet their own targets on tackling climate change. That's according to a study of 25 corporations. They also routinely exaggerate or misreport their progress, according to a report from the New Climate Institute, shared with us by the BBC. Google, Amazon, Ikea, Apple, and Nestle are among those failing to change quickly enough, the study alleges. Corporations are under pressure to cut their environmental impact. More consumers want green products. Give them all broccoli. Some of the companies told BBC they disagreed with some of the methods used in the report, so they were committed to taking action to curb climate change. The firms analyzed in the report account for 5% of global greenhouse gas emissions, the report says, which means although they have a huge carbon footprint, they have enormous potential to lead in the effort to limit climate change. The rapid acceleration of corporate climate pledges combined with the fragmentation of approaches means that it's more difficult than ever to distinguish between real climate leadership and, they're being kind here, unsubstantiated. The author of the study told BBC his team originally wanted to discover good practices in the corporate world, but they were, quote, frankly surprised and disappointed at the overall integrity of the company's claims, unquote. Surprised? Uh, I, I would ask what world he's living in, but, you know, let's be, let's be charitable about the whole thing. Amazon said in its reply, We set these ambitious targets because we know that climate change is a serious problem and action is needed now more than ever, which is why Jeff Bezos is going to the border of space. No, he, they didn't say that. Amazon, they said, is on a path to powering our operations with 100% renewable energy by 2025. Unquote. We might even remember that. And, uh, you know, check back in only three years. Should be within our ken. Nestle commented, we welcome scrutiny of our actions and commitments on climate change. However, this report lacks understanding of our approach. The um, report was conducted by a two nonprofit organizations, New Climate Institute and Carbon Market Watch. It looked at firms' publicly stated strategies to reduce greenhouse emissions, greenhouse gas emissions. Nobody's emitting greenhouses. Don't, don't get per, you know, upset. You're not going to get hit with falling glass. In order to reach net zero, that's a target scientists say the world must reach by 2050 to uh, you know, stay on the safe side of danger. Companies set their own targets. Google promises to be carbon-free by 2030. IKEA promises to be climate-positive by 20... Yeah, by then. Don't know the difference between climate-free and climate-positive. The study gave each firm an integrity rating. Uh Uh-oh. 
It found that some were doing relatively well in reducing emissions, but that all corporations could, intru- uh, could improve. None was given a rating of high integrity. It assessed factors like annually disclosing emissions, giving a breakdown of emission sources, and disclosing information in an understandable way. Now you're asking a little too much. It concluded that overall the strategies in place, if implemented, would reduce emissions by 40% at most, not the 100% implied in the term net zero. Well, net 40 doesn't sound quite as catchy, does it? Does it really, Mr. Climate Person? Just three of the 25 companies are clearly committed to removing 90% of carbon emissions from their production and supply chains. Those are Maersk, that's a shipping company, Vodafone, and Deutsche Telekom. So two of the three are phone companies. Interesting. I don't know what that means. The way that businesses talk about the climate pledges is also a big problem. According to the report, there's a large gap between companies' say and the reality. Consumers are likely to find it difficult to determine the truth. Companies' ambitious-sounding headline claims all too often lack real substance. The author of the report explains, even companies that are doing relatively well exaggerate their actions. It's almost as if corporate speak is exaggerated by nature. (laughs) No. They who spent, this is the man who did the report, his team spent weeks poring over documents, poring without a U, said the average person trying to choose a piece of furniture technology or buy food in the supermarket would struggle to make an informed decision. Struggle in the supermarket, ladies and gentlemen. That's one of our current plaints, complaints. And also, now this is the good news of the warm. Client, climate scientists have long warned, as you probably know, that uh, a lot of water could be displaced into the ocean by melting glaciers because they're frozen water, see? Now experts say they have a new idea on just how much that amount could be, and it's actually a little less than previously thought. So flow, glaciers flow. Melting glaciers are in a lot of ways a bellwether for climate change on Earth. Their size and structure directly linked to the changes in both the atmosphere and the water itself. Their shrinkage can give us some much-needed information and incontrovertible evidence on the status of our battle with climate change. Because of this importance, experts have tried to better understand the consequences of melting glaciers. They're particularly interested in exactly how much ice rests within them, how much ice in the glaciers. That can explain, or at least help explain, their contribution to sea level rise and factor into water management plans for areas that rely on glaciers. So scientists published new research in the journal Nature Geoscience this week. It reveals a new estimate for how much ice these glaciers contain, about 20% less than we once thought. The glaciers shrunk. Romain Millian from Université Grenoble Alps and colleagues collected and analyzed thousands of satellite images in order to build a high-detail map of glacier ice motion. Give me some of that glacier ice motion. With this data, they calculated the thickness of the glaciers, providing a general estimate on how much ice is trapped in them. Around the world, it had been believed melting glaciers would contribute about 30% of total sea level rise, the rest coming from 
thermal expansion mm, and shrinking ice sheets. But this study indicates glaciers' contribution to sea level rise is in a full melt scenario will be a little over 10 inches, 20% less than earlier estimates. They got a better idea of where in the world that water could be coming from. They uh, had some differences, these results, to previous estimates on specific regions. Their data pointing to the existence of less ice in places like the Andes and more ice in places like the Himalayas. Researchers say these results on glacier geometry could be significant enough to justify an entirely new look at our predictions for the evolution of glaciers themselves. Glaciers have evolution. They could grow horns. Who knows? More data from the future, as I say. The... Researchers still stress there's quite a lot of work to be done or uh, to summarize. More data, more data. We need more data. Come on, more data, more data. Huh? Get some data for me. More data, more data, more data. We need more, more. They say they need more direct observations of ice thickness to craft a more detailed picture in the Andes, the Himalayas, and the Russian Arctic. Good luck with that. Together they make up nearly a fifth of the total volume on Earth. I think they mean glaciers. Volume of what? It didn't say. News, that's what happens when you screw around with news of the warm, ladies and gentlemen. It is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now... No, there will be no news of the Olympic movement this week, except in uh, Apologies of the Week, and that will be uh, moments from now. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, it is uh, another regular feature of this broadcast, News of the Godly. And uh, News of the Godly this week starts with a story that you might describe as the gambling nun. A federal judge has sentenced an 80-year-old nun to a year in prison after she confessed to stealing more than $800,000 from the elementary school where she worked as principal. What was she doing with the money? Financing her gambling trips to Las Vegas. This from the Courthouse News Service. Mary Margaret Kruiper must also pay $825,000 and $338 more in restitution, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office in L.A. She pleaded guilty last year to embezzling money from St. James Catholic School in Torrance. Yes, that's where the money comes down. In Torrance, where as the principal for 28, sorry about that, for 28 years she was responsible for the funds the school received for tuition, fees, and charitable donations. She diverted the money from the school's bank accounts, quote, to pay for expenses that the order would not have approved, much less paid for, including large gambling expenses incurred at casinos and certain credit card charges, according to the government. I guess she didn't win. Note to none, you don't. Federal prosecutors had asked for, prosecutors had asked for a two-year term. 
"'She's very remorseful and sorry for what she did,' said her lawyer. "'She apologizes to the court and to the school community.' "'It is an apology of the week, but it's new to the godly. "'For about ten years, starting in 2008, "'Kruiper took a cut from the checks and cash payments "'she received from students' parents.' She then falsified the school's monthly and annual financial reports to hide the theft, told the parents the school didn't have the money for field trips or to build an awning. No awning today. The uh, lawyer said, uh, notwithstanding her admission of guilt, 44 people had written letters to the judge in her support. Her scheme only came to light when she announced her retirement in uh, 2018. The school started an audit to prepare for the transition. To hide the missing money, she directed two school employees to lie, destroy records, and delete documents, according to court filings. These employees turned around and alerted the school's administration. That's it. They were, they were squealers. Church, church school squealers. There's a series for Netflix. That, the administration launched a formal investigation. When she was interviewed by the Archdiocese three years ago, four years ago, Kruiper admitted stealing the school's money but felt her actions were justified because priests were paid more than nuns. See, it's social justice in action. She claimed diverting the school funds was her way of raising her salary. That's all. And she used the money to travel and eat out with friends and gamble in Vegas, Tahoe, and Temecula. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a, um, I believe that's a Native American casino. So she spread the wealth. And uh, now, ladies and gentlemen. News of former Pope Benedict known by his uh, pre-pope pre-pope name Ratzinger he Benedict XVI in, in, in detail asked forgiveness this week for any quote grievous faults in his handling of clergy sex abuse cases but denied any personal or specific wrongdoing you know clean hands him after an independent report criticized his actions in four cases while he was Archbishop of Munich. His lack of personal apology or admission of guilt immediately riled abuse survivors, who said his responses reflected, reflected the Catholic hierarchy's, quote, permanent, unquote, refusal to accept responsibility for the rape and sodomy of children by priests. That would be, that's what they've been accused of in, uh, multiple cases and reports and things. You know that. Benedict was responding to uh, this report from a German law firm that had been commissioned by the German Catholic Church. It's part of the Roman Catholic, but it's to look into how cases of sexual abuse were handled in the Munich Archdiocese between 1945 and 2019. He, the former Ratzinger, headed the Archdiocese from 1977 to 1982. Just five years. What do you want from the man? The report faulted his handling of four cases during that time, accusing him of misconduct for having failed to restrict the ministry of the four priests, even after they had been convicted criminally. It's okay, you guys. You can minister. The report also faulted his predecessors and successors. So it's not just 
Ratzinger. A report estimated there have been at least 497 abuse victims over the decades, at least 235 suspected perps. Uh, the Vatican released a letter the, f- the former pope wrote to respond to the allegations, along with a more technical reply from his lawyers. The conclusion of the lawyers, as an archbishop, he was not involved in any cover-up of acts of abuse. Benedict's response was more nuanced and spiritual. Spiritual, though he went on at length to thank his legal team. The uh, retired pope said in his letter, All the greater is my pain for the abuses and the errors that occurred in those different places during the time of my mandate. He issued what he called a confession, though he didn't confess to any specific sin or fault. It's a, it's a vague super-confession. He recalled the daily mass begins with believers confessing their sins and asking forgiveness for their faults, and even their grievous faults. Benedict noted that in his meetings with abuse victims while he was pope, quote, I have seen it firsthand, the effects of a most grievous fault, and I have come to understand that we ourselves are drawn into this grievous fault whenever we neglect it or fail to confront it with the necessary decisiveness and responsibility. As too often happens, and continues to happen, once again I can only express to all the victims of sexual abuse my profound shame, my deep sorrow, and my heartfelt request for forgiveness. Again, could be Apology of the Week. Might be. His response drew, drew swift criticism from a group representing German clergy abuse survivors. They said the church's permanent relativizing on matters of abuse Wrongdoing and mistakes took place, but no one takes concrete responsibility is uh, being continued. Joseph Ratzinger, the group said, can't bring himself simply to state he is sorry not to have done more to protect the children entrusted to his church, the group said. That would be an honest sentence, unquote. The response will likely complicate, according to the AP, efforts by German bishops to reestablish credibility with the faithful or to establish faith with the credible, for that matter, you might add. News of the godly, ladies and gentlemen. Copyright feature this broadcast. It's very clear Our love is here to stay Not for a year, but ever and a day. The radio and the telephone and the movies that we know may just be passing fancies and in time may go. But oh my dear, Our love is here to stay Together we're Going a long, long way In time The Rockies may crumble Gibraltar may tumble They're only made of clay But Our love Is here to stay Thank you. 
that we know may just be passing fancies and in time may go but oh my dear love is here to stay together we're going along Rockies may crumble and Gibraltar it may tumble They're only made of clay But our love, our love is here to stay From New Orleans, this is Le Show, and here is some news of a smart world that we're living in. The smart world. The Internal Revenue Service is halting a plan that would have required taxpayers to verify their identities with facial recognition before signing on to its website. This follows backlash from lawmakers and privacy groups. The IRS said in a statement it will transition away from using a third-party verification service involving facial recognition. It will bring online an additional authentication process that doesn't use facial recognition technology and come up with a way or ways to authenticate taxpayers. Did not explain what that will include. Reversal comes just as tax season is underway. Hints at public discomfort around the expanded use of facial recognition technology. In daily life, everybody's doing it. I'm no. The IRS had previously planned to require a new verification process with facial recognition for logging into its website starting this summer. It was a part of a partnership the IRS IRS has with ID.me. That's a fast-growing company that uses facial recog software as part of its identity verification process. It verifies identities for 30 states' unemployment agencies as well as a growing number of federal agencies like Veterans Affairs and Social Security Administration. The IRS used ID.me in a more limited capacity last year, verifying people who wanted to opt out of receiving advanced child tax credits payments. The federal government has no rules regulating the use of facial recognition software. But the technology has come under fire from privacy groups. What else are they supposed to do? That's their job. An external speaker function in 578,607 Teslas are going to be disabled by the manufacturer after the U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said it's interfering with safety standards. Another recall for Tesla. This according to the Register, British Tech Journal. In late 2020, Tesla firmware enabled the boombox feature, not what you think, which allows a customer to play preset or custom sounds through the pedestrian warning system external speaker when the vehicle is parked or in motion. NHTSA, in January 2021, began investigating how boombox might interfere with a safety-critical system designed to alert pedestrians to an oncoming Tesla They're far quieter than conventional vehicles, and you might go, oh, there's one now. The result of the investigation is a a recall 
of uh, 2022 Model S, X, and Y vehicles and 2017 through 22 Model 3 vehicles. That lets me out. Yeah, early adopter. Um, these vehicles were built or retrofitted with pedestrian warning system and capable of operating a firmware release of that era. It's a lot of cars to address the issue. Tesla will stop boombox working when the car is moving via an over-the-air update, which they do a lot of. Just this month, according to the register, Tesla had to disable a feature in full self-driving software that allowed 50,000 vehicles to roll past stop signs without coming to a full stop at intersections. That's the California stop, as it was called. The company, by the way, disbanded disbanded its media relations unit two years ago, so they couldn't be asked for comment. But um, this is like the third recall. Uh, the rolling stop was one, and there was another one as well. Hey, Elon, Mars is calling. A man landing in an uppercut on the ceiling fan, a woman slamming into furniture, a guy smashing through a lighting fixture. Gamers are learning virtual reality headsets can often cause havoc at home. This from The Guardian. The trend of crashing into furniture while in the metaverse provoked a 31% jump in home contents claims involving VR headsets last year, according to one insurer. Aviva. Oh, Aviva. No, it's the name of the insurance company, marking a 68% overall increase since 2016. Quote, as new games and gadgets become popular, we often see this playing through in the claims made by our customer, said the property claims director of the insurance company. In the past, we've seen similar trends involving consoles with handsets, fitness games, and even the likes of rogue fidget spinners. The average claim last year, about 650 pounds, $500 often from broken TVs smashed by over-enthusiastic gamers. One customer launched a controller at his TV when a portable, sorry, when a zombie jumped out during the game. That seems reasonable. you got to stop the zombie. Multiple people reported cracking TV screens. One child smashed two designer figurines on the mantelpiece when his game demanded a swipe move. These claims were accepted and settled. Many people in the U.K. received VR headsets over Christmas, so claims in 2022 are already coming in. The company expects more. Reddit has a forum, VR to ER, featuring videos of people using VR headsets falling over, bumping into furniture, or accidentally punching loved ones. (laughs) You say accidentally. Uh, That is news of our smart Smart, 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 smart world, ladies and gentlemen. And um, now to kind of the the most titillating news of the week. Starts with this quote. He would roll his eyes at the rules. So we did too. That's the former press secretary at the Trump White House, Stephanie Grisham. She's become an outspoken Trump critic since January 6th of last year. But she says, we weren't going to get in trouble because he's the president of the United States. She's talking about rules being flouted by the former guy. And the one that's in focus this week as a result of uh, both reports from the National Archives 
which has asked the Justice Department to investigate, is his, his former guy's handling of presidential documents, which are supposed to be saved. You see, there's a law and everything. And instead, he would tear them up. And um, among the ones that were torn... Now, sometimes the staff would um, come in afterwards and piece the torn-up ones back together. And so that's how we know that uh, some of the ones that were torn, according to the uh, National Archives, was uh, one of the love letters, or as Trump called them, correspondence from the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. They also included the the documents, a map that uh, President former President Trump, famously drew on with a black Sharpie marker or Sharky marker to demonstrate the track of Hurricane Dorian heading towards Alabama three years ago now. That was to back up a declaration he had made on Twitter that contradicted weather forecasts. We were ready for the quake that didn't happen. It seems they don't do fracking in Alabama. We were ready for that decimating fire. That would have occurred if it was drier in Alabama. Alabama, we love you so much. Your women have the skin we love to Except for Jeff Sessions, you're strong and you're free. Alabama, don't forget me.
What we also learned on the same subject was from a forthcoming book by a New York Times correspondent, Maggie Haberman, um, regarding the way the former guy disposed of these uh, documents, some of them apparently, according to the, again, to the National Archives, classified, though the president does have the power to declassify anything. He'd declassify the whole CIA if he wanted to. Why didn't he? Anyway, uh, staff members by, uh, were reported by Maggie Haberman to, uh, from time to time, searching for these destroyed documents or these, um, yeah, destroyed documents, um, find them not uh, torn up on the floor as usual, but crumpled up and backing up the uh, Oval Office toilet. Which sounds, if I'm thinking like Donald Trump, like a business opportunity. You may be in the White House or a plain old shack, but anywhere you are, there's something you lack. When you've read a document and you think that you're done, you've got a problem doing job one. You need to deep six that paper where the sun don't shine, where the law and your needs exactly align. An ordinary toilet seems like just the place where that paper disappears without a trace, but it just goes and bunches right up because the old flush hole ain't big enough. A jam in your Johnny attracts praying eyes, and you ain't got the time to supervise. That's when you need... The handle's regular, the seat's the same, but that's not where it wins the game. The exit hole's huge, bigger than most. You can flush a whole Washington Post. No more jams, no more mess. No stories and books were on CBS. For once in your life, you've got peace of mind. You can really leave your past behind. A dozen colors, a comfy seat. Make John flat cannot be beat. Clumps and clogs are a thing of the past Cause you've got the commode that's not half-assed Best of all, you've got your rump On a product that's got the seal of Trump So stash your trash where you're sure it's gone The big hole toy called I wish you 
the best I wish you the worst Pity and shame Forgiveness and blame A kiss and then a curse The trust of words The gentlest of touch Oh, they live side by side and sometimes That is almost enough We're happy today Tomorrow, who knows I'll threaten to And we turn We struggle with fate Or the more that we love, darling The deeper that we can hate It's a funny old game This thing we call love No Like the sun and the Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Uh, I did find the other recall that Tesla is experiencing. A safety recall of more than 817,000 vehicles over faulty seatbelt chimes. That's according to the U.S. Auto Safety Regulator. It's going to remotely update the vehicles after, after an issue where seatbelt chimes go quiet on subsequent drives after having been interrupted when a driver exits the vehicle as the, chi- as the chime sounds. See? Go open the door and this interrupt the chime, and okay, I won't chime anymore. The audible chime may not activate when the vehicle starts and the driver has not buckled their seatbelt. NHTSA wrote, the agency said the uh, issue puts Tesla out of compliance with occupant crash protection requirements that the Fed has, the federal government has. The driver may not may be unaware that their seatbelt is not fastened. Really? Increasing the risk of injury during a crash, they said. Software release will address the issue over the air. It's exactly where I am. Welcome, Tesla. And now, the Apologies of the Week. Yeah, I'm over the air right now. We're so sorry. Sarataka Nashi has apologized for the suit violation that ruined Japan's hopes of a medal in the uh, Olympic mixed team ski jumping event. She delivered a huge jump to launch Japan's campaign, but her uh, celebration was cut short when she was disqualified due to her suit being two centimeters, about three-quarters of an inch, wider than allowed around her thighs. We're talking about the Olympics, ladies and gentlemen. 
Ski jumping has complex and controversial rules that link suit size and ski length to body weight in an attempt to remove any advantage that might be gained by athletes being lighter. And tiny weight changes can have a significant impact. It's an undeniable fact that my disqualification changed everyone's lives. Over a statement alert. I'm deeply sorry about making such a giant mistake, she said. Even if I apologized, I won't be able to get the medal or take responsibility. But I do need to think further about my competitions. Unquote. When President Brian Biden tapped Eric Lander as White House science advisor a year ago, a little more than a year ago, he tasked the renowned genomics researcher with reinvigorating American science. He uh, submitted a resignation on Monday evening, which Stat, the medical journal, describes as stunning. Question. He's derailed the U.S. scientific enterprise, says Stat. In the letter, Lander apologized to White House science staff for the workplace abuse scandal that caused his downfall, admitting he caused hurt to past and present colleagues for the way in which I have spoken to them. Why, you stupid... Oh, no, not that. I guess it was that. In interviews with Stat, White House aides and outside research experts worried that the scandal would delay or undercut several of the administration's key scientific priorities. Hey, welcome to the Apologies of the Week. The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson has issued an apology over his initial support of Joe Rogan, saying he wasn't aware of the popular podcast host's use of racial, racial slurs. This according to The Hill. In a tweet, Johnson shared that he was not aware of Rogan's use of the N-word after he publicly supported Rogan's response to the recent controversy surrounding his podcast promoting COVID-19 misinformation. Said, thank you so much for this, Johnson replied to a tweet from an author. I hear you as well as everyone here 100%. I was not aware of his N-word use, but now I've become educated to his complete narrative. Learning moment for me. Learning moment for The Rock. Let's have a hand, shall we? Dateline, Benicia, California. I know where that is. A principal at a Benicia elementary school sent an emailed apology to parents upset that the police department handed out thin blue line t-shirts as part of its drug abuse resistance education program, DARE. School's principal confirmed to the local newspaper this week that DARE program was started, I think, by Nancy Reagan. Well, encouraged by Nancy Reagan. Started by the LAPD, I believe. Shirts depict the D.A.R.E. program's lion standing in front of a black-and-white American flag with a single blue stripe across the center. According to the email sent to families this week from the principal, Christina Moore, the shirts were handed out to fifth-grade students graduating from the D.A.R.E. program. I want you to know how sorry I am if this caused you or your family any unsettled feelings, said the principal in an if-pology. Alberta Premier, here's a Canadian apology of the week. Alberta Premier Jason Kenney apologized this week for comparing the treatment of unvaccinated people to the stigma faced by HIV-AIDS patients during the 1980s. At least he left the Holocaust alone. He drew the comparison this week during a news conference where he announced Alberta's plan to immediately start phasing out COVID-19 public health restrictions, including the vaccine passport system. Like, he doesn't know there's... BA2 coming. The Premier's comments quickly drew backlash online, including from the opposition. Really? That's what they're for. Nellie 
has reportedly apologized, according to Billboard, after an uncensored video of the rapper receiving oral sex was briefly posted to his Instagram account this week. Quote, I sincerely apologize to the young lady and her family. This is unwanted publicity for her and them. This was an old video that was private and never meant to go public, he told TMZ. The uh, video was posted and quickly deleted. Because of the Internet, the nearly minute-long video was captured and widely reposted before Nellie, 47, could delete it. And the St. Louis rapper's name became a trending topic. Oh, he wouldn't want that. An unnamed member of Nelly's team reportedly told TMZ, this, this is Billboard quoting TMZ, they believe the rapper's account may have been hacked and they fear some of his other private information could end up online as well. You're never going to follow that. You're never going to top that. Come on. And uh, Washington Commanders, that's the new football team's name in Washington. That's the new name of the football team in Washington. The defensive tackle Jonathan Allen apologized this week for saying at a hypothetical dream dinner he would invite Adolf Hitler. Earlier I tweeted something that probably hurt people, and I apologize about what I said, he wrote on Twitter. I didn't express properly what I was trying to say, and I realized it was dumb. He had earlier invited his Twitter followers to ask him anything. And someone did, apparently. That's what'll happen. One Twitter user asked him to name three people dead or alive with whom he'd like to have dinner. He picked his grandfather, Michael Jackson, and Hitler. And explaining that selection, he wrote, He's a military genius, and I love military tactics. But honestly, I would want to pick his brain as to why he did what I did. Well, go read Mein Kampf, dude. Uh, I also, uh, I'm also assuming that the people I've chosen have to answer all my questions honestly. He is dreaming. Uh, about the world in general, I would say. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Finally, we should all find this reassuring. Counterfeit parts have been discovered in U.S. nuclear plants, according to Reuters. This potentially increases the risk of a security feature or security failure. That's according to the Inspector General of the Federal Nuclear Industry Regulator. In his report this week, the report is a blow to the U.S. nuclear industry that has shrunk in recent years. Counterfeit parts. Our safety and security concerns that could have serious consequences in critical power plant equipment required to perform a safety function. That's according to the Inspector General's report from the NRC. It looked into part, it concerns that the counterfeit parts are present in most, if not all, power plants 
It sampled a plant in each of the NRC's four regions. Found data showing fake parts were used in a plant. In the Midwest, it said a well-placed NRC principal told the inspector general about two component failures at plants in the Northeast that plant and operators determined involved fake parts. And a recent audit report revealed the parts are present at nuclear operating plants without further details. Clean, cheap, safe, too fake to meter. Our friend the Adam. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations in the radio universe and on your metaverse audio thing whenever you whenever you want it. And it'd be just like more fake parts if you would agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. The show come oh no, not yet. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk and to Pam Halstead and to uh, Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for his help, their help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, the playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, not not Dare t-shirts, Cars I Talk t-shirts, all at harryshare.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from Carnival City.